On today's podcast, we're going to be talking a lot of baseball, World Series games one and two, and then we are going, we have a special guest to talk about Joe Girardi and the World Series, a man who both helped form our opinions of baseball and our opinions of, and probably our foul mouths, uh, our former baseball coach, Randy Gardner, will be joining the podcast today. So we have a lot of baseball. Hope you guys stay tuned and get ready to enjoy. Welcome in to the Fumbling Punter Podcast. I'm your host, Devin Keeney, and joining us today, Lucas Jones and uh, our former baseball coach, Randy Gardner. Coach, what's up? Nothing, man. Making a living out here. Yes. Watching watching postseason baseball, trying not to watch NFL as much as possible. (laughs) That's pretty pretty easy right now because the NFL has been pretty bad. But uh, the first two games of the World Series have been pretty good. Uh, After the first two games in L.A., they're tied one to one, headed back to Houston. Coach, what do you think about the first two games? Well, I thought the first game the the Clayton Kershaw really exercised a lot of demons. You know, he he's been well known for getting roasted by the Cardinals in the playoffs, but his other playoff appearances haven't ever really been that great either. Not like compared to his regular season stuff. So that's good for him to get that off his back. And after watching last night's game, it was a very very important game he pitched because. There's no way you can drop two at home again. I think you got a chance. Oh, absolutely, Lucas. What do you think of the first two games? Uh, you know, it was exciting baseball. It's what you want in the postseason. Um, I think you know we didn't really touch on it the other day, but I think it was actually a good move by the Astros to save Verlander for the second game, so that way Without you're not throwing your with. So you're not throwing up against Kershaw. And this is what the Astros wanted. You go into someone else's home field, you take one game. Now the Astros have home field advantage. They got three straight in Houston. That's huge for them. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, something that really hit me last night, and I think is going to make the rest of this World Series very interesting, is Kenley Jansen and Ken Giles both blew a save last night. And so do you guys both think that these offenses have figured out both closers? I mean, we talked on the last podcast that Ken Giles has been getting hit all postseason, but do you guys think the Astros kind of got to Kenley Jansen for good last night? Um, man, honestly, uh, I expected that garbage because that's what it's looked like the whole postseason. A much bigger blow to the Dodgers is – Last night, before they brought Jansen in, I saw two or three tweets go out from prominent baseball people supposedly saying, oh, they were comparing him to Mariano Rivera. And I thought, <laughs> what the hell is this shit? I mean, he hasn't even been in the postseason enough. He's never been to a World Series before. And here we are throwing that out there. You know, everybody's Bob Nightingale take on everything where <laughs> the hottest thing out, he gets a freaking boner all over. So he comes in there and – Two innings out of him is not something that hasn't been done before, but they were putting good swings on it. You know, they scored a run off him before they got their home run. So I think that's a much bigger blow to the Dodgers moving forward than it is the Astros because the Astros already knew they were dealing with a dumpster fire after they took the starters out anyway. I, I agree with you 100%. It, uh, the Dodgers' bullpen had been phenomenal up until last night. So Record they had setting. much more to lose. They had way much more to lose. And, the you know, and, and moving forward, that gives the Astros hitters 
confidence against Kenley Jansen. You know, I'm a Cubs fan, but when Kenley Jansen came in, it, it, they they put their tail between their legs. You could just tell on their faces. They're like, well, this game's over. Yeah. And, and now the Astros have confidence. And I, Another series, the Astros really did the same thing to the Yankees bullpen, who had also been phenomenal. And I know those games were at Houston, but they came in, you know, and uh, Altuve and Correa, they they tore Chapman up that one game and stole that game. And when you steal a game from somebody's closer and they're closer compared to the best ever and the best people that are in the game right now, it does take a mental effect on your lineup. You don't just go up to that, oh, we're doomed now. we got to get the lead before the seventh or we're screwed. They don't really have to feel like that. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. And you look what the Dodgers' bullpen did last night. Jansen blew the save. Fields came in, gave up back-to-back home runs to Altuve and Correa, and then McCarthy came in and Springer hit the two-run home run. I mean, if, if you're the Astros. Really, I didn't really disagree with taking Rich Hill out at that point when they did it, but then they had to stretch every single person in the bullpen after that. So in hindsight, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but in hindsight, that really – cost the Dodgers last night him not going another inning or two because it stretched Morrow and it stretched Jansen both so yes and the other thing is that was it Singrani or Watson that came in and only threw one pitch and got a double play and then they were out of the game it was Singrani like they I knew it was one of the Tonys but he it seemed like then Dave Roberts has been a a really good manager He's probably, you know, at this point, you have to say, you know, he's probably top five, top six in the yeah. game. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it seemed like his plan just fell apart last night. And that happens in postseason baseball. It does. But, you know, I, I didn't disagree with taking Rich Hill out either. I, I thought it was curious at the time, but it's not something that, you know, I'm going to say, well, you know, Dave Roberts really screwed the pooch. Yeah, it wasn't mind-boggling, but, you know, <clears throat> But also, National League Baseball, too, is so much different than American League Baseball. you got to manage the game throughout the whole game because of the, the non-DH. I mean, when you got a DH, you can do your pitching however you wish. But when you got to take a look at lineups, I looked up last night, we're going to extra innings, and hell, where was Bellinger at? Yeah, on the bench. Mike Matheny and double his player <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, on to something a little. Uh, well, I thought it was funny. Did you guys see that umpire just get nailed in the? Uh, was it the tenth or the ninth yeah. on that pickoff play? I think it was the tenth, wasn't it? Laz Diaz, the second base yeah. umpire. Oh man, just, that was you know, brutal. Yeah, uh, a bad throw was probably was catch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so g- looking ahead to games. Three and four, uh, what do you guys feel? You guys think that the Astros stole the momentum last night or you think the Dodgers are going to come split the next two and be as, keep us tied at 2-2 going into game five? I think that moving forward, the Astros have the momentum, but the Dodgers are a good enough team and they've shown resilience all year that I, they will win one of these three games in Houston. I really believe that they will do that. Uh, then when you get back to L.A., about anything could happen. I mean, Houston does have more of a home field advantage than L.A. does, though. I will, I will say that. Yeah, I'm kind of sad that we don't get to factor in the uh, the center field hill uh, that 
you know, the Astros used to have there at Minute Maid. Uh, what, what was the name of that hill? Cow's Hill. Yeah. I hated that thing, but uh, that would have definitely made for some fun home field advantage for the Astros. Yeah, I think the Astros, I mean, I obviously I, I do think the Dodgers are going to win at least one because I don't think, I thought this series would probably go six games is what my prediction was. So yeah. I do think the Dodgers win one game. I mean, they have Kershaw for game five. So, I mean, they have to feel good about that just from what, how Kershaw's pitched this postseason so far. Yeah, I think with Kershaw going in uh, game five, you have to feel good that you're going to get back to L.A. at the very least. So I, all you want is a chance to get back to your home field in those last two games. Considering I want to get – here's something that, that Coach and I agree on is that Adrian Gonzalez – what a whiny baby. Let's what talk a, about that for a second. What a douchebag. I mean, <laughs> of all times. I mean, has there ever been a case of a worse teammate? I mean, he I, makes terrible Jerry Rice. You know, he, he watched the NLCS from Italy. He from was in a Italy? completely different country. Yeah. What? He was, you know, whatever, 4,000 miles away. I think they said he was actually at the game last night, but he wasn't there for the first game. I don't think he was there last night. They said Justin Turner called him several times trying to get him to be a part of the team during his postseason, and he just kept declining him. And uh, Turner said, well, he understood. I don't know what he understood, but How? Uh, from all my years of playing and coaching, I understood it very clearly that it's about it's about Aegon. That's what it's about. Oh, Absolutely. Uh, was he on the 08 uh, Red Sox team? I don't think he was. He was still with the with the Padres then, right? I don't think he was ever on the Red Sox when they won the World Series. Okay, so this is no. his first chance to be on a team that goes to the World Series, and he's acting like this, making over $20 million a year? Because he says he don't want to be a distraction. I think he's a bigger distraction by not being there. Yeah, as long as he doesn't start that bubble blowing machine, I don't see what distraction he would be. <laughs> right, and that's the – I mean, and the thing is, and we kind of – me and Randy kind of talked about it just a little bit last night, is the guy's been in the league for, you know, over a decade. Like, he should theoretically have some sort of experience to offer some of these younger guys that are on the Dodgers team, whether he's playing or not. Yes, I think he's probably pretty butthurt because – not only did his injury not affect the Dodgers, they actually had one of their best years ever without much help from him. And so I think it, his ego took a hit and he got butt hurt. That's what oh, I yeah, and because Bellinger came in and usurped yep. his position. Like, Bellinger oh, did yeah. play some outfield, but at this point, he's the way better play. He's good with the glove at first base, lots of power. Adrian Gonzalez has lost his power. That's You know, that happens to guys that are 35, 36 years old. Bellinger runs well. Bellinger runs well and can also play outfield if need be, too. Aegon's a one-trick pony and doesn't have the trick anymore. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, moving on to something that I wanted to talk about that happened last night. I like John Smoltz. I love John Smoltz as a pitcher. I, I don't think he's a bad commentator. Uh, but when he started dogging uh, Culberson after he hit that 11th inning home run to make it, what was it, 8-7 at that point, I kind of felt bad. Like, yeah. Col- Culberson isn't uh, A-Rod. He's not Bellinger. He's not a guy who has hit a ton of home runs, been there a lot. I was excited for the guy, and Smoltz was kind of just shitting on him 
for celebrating for hitting that home run. I think way that everything is correct. And somebody might want to point out that So he might not want to be shitting on somebody else's parade like that. But he says stuff all the time that I'm like, really? Why would you even say that? I mean, so yeah, I've been vocal about for him. I've been vocal about not liking John Smoltz in the booth. I, I, there's things he says that, like last night before they hit that game tying home run, he was talking about, well, the best way to get to Kenley Jansen would be string some hits together, get a guy on base, base. and yeah. it's like no. I'll go ahead and take this game-tying home run. And I said the same thing during the Cubs series against Kenley Jansen, you know, when Joe Madden didn't bring Schwarber in to face him in game one, I think, or game two, because you have a greater chance of probably getting a hold of one and hitting a home run off Kenley than you do stringing together two or three hits, a walk here or there, and manufacturing a run. Give me the home run when you're facing a shutdown closer like Kenley has been. Or a shutdown starter, too, like a Verlander or Kershaw. You're just going to be. Exactly. And, and I mean, that's what's, and that's what's happened. The Dodgers got out to, the Dodgers scored their three runs on two home runs, on two hits. Yeah, that's, that's all Seager, they had till the 10th inning. That Seager home run, man, he really, I mean, that, that pitch was down and away, and uh, he hit the shit out of that ball. I, I didn't think it was a home run. Like, I saw him get all excited after he made contact, and, I thought he flew out to left field, but man, he he knocked the crap out of that ball. Verlander couldn't believe he got it either. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it, it, go ahead, Lucas. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to move on to uh, Joe Girardi. You got one more thing on the World Series before we or Dodgers. Okay, so the Yankees announced today that they were going to part ways with Joe Girardi after ten years. So in 10 years, Girardi had 910 wins. I'm no mathematician. That's averaging 91 wins per season in a World Series title. And what do you, what do you guys think? Because uh, the report is Brian Cashman uh, went to Hal Steinbrenner and said that, you know, we need a new manager. So what are your guys' thoughts on that? Man, I think it, I think it has come to some kind of – some kind of personal thing. They said it was a difference in Girardi wasn't using the human element enough, which everybody else is kind of going the other way. You kind of got to just manage the players and then use all your analytical stuff. But um, sometimes 10 years on a job, no matter how you're doing, maybe long enough, it may be time for everybody to go a different direction. Uh, I don't know. I was a little surprised by it. Yeah. What are you, yeah, what's your I, thoughts, Lucas? I was surprised by it too, because you know, there's not really any proven guy out there unless they want to bring in Dusty Baker and Girardi, you know, in my opinion, is a, a better manager than Dusty Baker. So it seems like the Yankees are probably going to go to one of these younger data-driven guys is what I think is going to happen. You may not see a guy that's got experience in the Yankees lineup next year. Um, you know, I would probably keep my eye on Dave Martinez. He's been a big name getting a lot of interviews the last few years but the you know the thing with the Yankees is they are a young team so they may be looking for a different Joe Girardi's kind of one of them stern stoic type managers yep sometimes that doesn't always work with young guys 
and and we can say, well, they don't like old school and baseball's changing and stuff. But you got to get a guy in there that connects with what your team is. And the Yankees are clearly in the middle of a youth movement. Yes, I, I'll, I'll with Girardi not do, being there, he would make the actually for the Washington Nationals because they don't have a super young team to win right now. I mean, it's not anything like that. I think he would be a good fit there. And I haven't heard this name come up, but the hitting coach on the Dodgers, the way the relationship he has with his players after every at bat, I don't see how that for a young team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Turner Ward. Turner Ward. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, my big question was, I wonder if Joe Girardi is going to keep managing because, uh, you know, in terms of other guys that are, you know, have managed, uh, Joe Madden's not young. Larusa managed into, you know, his late 60s, early 70s. He managed forever. There were a lot of guys like that. So I wonder if uh, Girardi is going to be looking for another job, uh, you know, maybe the Nationals gig. Uh, I think he would he would make a lot of sense in a lot of places because if you guys remember, he had some success with the Marlins before he went to the Yankees. So yep. he won. He got fired after winning manager of the year when he yes. went to the Marlins. <laughs> sure did. Yeah. That's, that's classic Marlins right there. <laughs> oh, that is for sure. Uh, but but you, I, I agree with I agree with uh, Coach that I think Joe Girardi would make the most sense for for the Nats because they have one really young guy on their team, and that's Trey Turner. Everyone else is, you know, five year veterans pretty much. And he's and, pretty hard nosed player by the looks of him too. So I don't think no, he's yeah. super sensitive. To yeah, anything. and they, I mean, they got. I think the problem is the Nationals have been cheap. George, you know, yeah. they don't want to pay their yeah. managers. So, but I think they have to make an exception right now because they have to do whatever they can to let Bryce Harper know, hey, stay with us. Because, I, I mean, I still think Bryce is leaving, but they have to try to win now. I think they have to try to win now. I also think he's leaving. But what they have right now, you know, with the big contract with Scherzer and everything, why would you go so cheap on a manager? I don't understand it. I didn't think yeah, Dusty was the right guy either because he always – he burns bullpens and starting pitchers to the ground like no other. Uh, you know, and Mike Matheny is kind of taking after him a little bit in that regard. <laughs> they offered run the somebody out Bud there Black. until they look like a skeleton. You know, they offered the job to Bud Black, and they couldn't agree on a contract number, so they give it to Dusty, who was willing to do it for two million a year, which was yeah. half of what he was making in a smaller market in Cincinnati. Man, but I think you're going to pay Serger two hundred million. Strasburg 170 million. They're going to pay Bryce 25 million next year in his final arbitration season, and it's like, well, what's another five million to bring in? A yeah, no, you can't you pay got... four or five million for a manager. You're not, you're not totally. Going I mean, five million is chump anyway. change for these. For I mean, five million is chump change for any major league team, even Oakland or Tampa Bay. Absolutely, but for Washington should be a no-brainer. If you got spend five million to bring in the right guy, that's a terrible decision to pass up or to not pay Bud Black. We saw what he did in Colorado this year and took the Rockies to the wild card game. And Lucas and I both had him as the co-manager of the year. Uh, so man, uh, so I was looking at this in a little different aspect. So Joe Girardi made it to the ALCS, got fired. Dusty Baker, NLDS, fired. John Farrell, ALDS, got fired. Mike Matheny, still safe. <laughs> Coach, I want to get your Teflon thoughts on that Mike. one. Teflon <laughs> Mike, man, I'm telling you. 
Hey, I've been a Cardinals fan since I came out of the womb, and you both know that. But at the same time, I am probably the realest Cardinal fan that you're ever going to have on your podcast. I'm not going to tell you, you know, Lucas, he's, he always pushes the buttons and said yesterday that some people think that Randall Gritchick is as good as Chris Bryant. And I just <laughs> want to know who they are because, trust me, I hate the Cubs with everything, but Chris Bryant was an MVP. I mean, what idiot would say that? I don't talk to those people. I don't know. But what I do know is I've watched Mike Matheny not be – I'm not saying he's any worse than when he started, but your expectations should become that somebody becomes a better manager. And anybody could have coached those first couple of, of seasons after La Russa because everything was already set in place and people's yep. habits were set in place. Now all the habits have changed. Matheny plays favorites. We've traded several people trying to keep him from using them, and then he gets a contract extension. Well, everybody else got the ax this year, and by the looks of the people they're putting on the bench, I'm telling you why Willie McGee's there now. He's reporting everything back to John Mosellac. Everything goes on over there. Oh. You don't go from special assistant to the GM or whatever to being a bench coach. I mean, they could have done that before. Yeah. You know, Akendo coming back. I mean, I don't know how much they had to pay him. I think it was obvious he was trying to get away from Matheny to begin with. I don't care what people like Derek Gould says and those people. He is back for a reason to prove a point that he was the reason the Cardinals always had a very stingy defense. They were always positioned right, the base running. I mean, Lucas hates that Cardinal way stuff, and I don't mean it in the way that a lot of people do, but that's the way the Cardinals had always played. It was always fundamental and sound, and it went from that to just a pile of dog shit within five years. Yeah. There's no way if LaRusso, and I didn't agree with all the stuff LaRusso did, but you would play hard and you would play right, or you wouldn't play and you wouldn't be there long. Ask Scott Rowland. Yeah. Colby Rasmus. I completely agree with everything you said there because watching them this year was terrible. Base oh, running errors. They were just making errors in the field, and they just played lackadaisical almost all oh, year. It was terrible. got that every year. This year, which they cut it off at one point, and it got a little better, but it was too late. When that division, everything could not to win it. It still won. So that's how much better talent-wise they were than the people. Yeah, absolutely. Lucas, you got to be feeling pretty good being a Cubs fan with Joe Madden right now. <laughs> well, you know, there's things that Joe Madden does that boggles my mind, especially in that Dodgers series. I didn't really understand. But, you know, he's Joe a, Madden is one of the better managers in baseball. So I really don't a have better no manager. He's a better manager of players. He's a manager yeah. of people more so than he is a tactician because I watch it during my Cubs games. I don't think his tactics are that great, but he gets what he gets out of the players, and I think the players like him and play hard for him have an aura of, yeah, we're good. And I think that goes a long way. Yeah, I mean, that, I that, think that goes a long that's way. a big part of the battle is having confidence in your team. They, you know – he wants all the guys, if they have a bad game and they lose, he wants them to move on. He's like, I'll give you 30 minutes to pout about the game and then let's just move on to tomorrow. Yeah. And, and, and that's part of it. And, you know, Joe Madden is very open to the analytical side of baseball and follows them moves and stuff. So I think that can make up for not being – I mean, that's never going to make you better than someone that is a good tactician. Like, say, you know, Bruce Bochy probably Bruce Bochy. manages a bullpen yes. better than anybody. And yeah, Frank, you know, Francona and Francona does as well. Yeah. yeah, Joe Madden is not the bullpen tactician, late game type Which, guy that Tito I, and 
Bochy are, but he's good. That He's good. The one thing I thought was going to hurt the Cubs this year, and my dad said it, and he's the one that made me think about it, is when Chapman wasn't coming back, he takes a lot of decisions out of your hands because he's almost automatic. I mean, when, oh, he's, yeah. when he doesn't just go in and blow somebody away, it just takes a lot of stuff out of your hands. You don't have to worry about it. And I know Wade Davis was good, but he's no Chapman by any stretch of the imagination to me. You know, as far as people thinking they have a chance or anything else, I mean, you can just look on people's face when Chapman pitches most of the time. It's like, it's not good. Oh, yeah, it's it's not good. But going back to Matheny, you know, they've now surrounded, they've moved Mike Schilt to bench coach. He's an analytics guy. Akendo knows how everything needs to be done there. Um I'm anxious to see who this pitching coach is going to be because they said it's going to be somebody who's going to follow analytics. And the way I understand it is this pitching coach is really going to make the decisions about who pitches when and where, which is one of Matheny's biggest shortcomings. Yeah, so He'll either pitch somebody every day and run them in the ground or he won't use somebody like Tua Vela who, if he got some regular work, would probably be okay. Yeah, so do you think that a lot of these moves they're making are to try to – take some decisions out of Matheny's hand at the end of the day? Yeah, yes. Okay. I think that they are trying to take some of these decisions away from Matheny, but I think it's absurd that you know, coaches to teach a manager or to do his job for him when he's been there six years already and hadn't learned any better. Yeah, I could have hired a lot of people. I just I've never been – I wasn't for hiring him to begin with because he had no experience, and we had a club that was – we may not have won a World Series, but we should have went to three more probably before that window closed. That's why going off of Matheny a little bit, the Cubs better get pitching because it's just a matter of time for that window closes because they can't pay all those people. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of money going to be owed whenever uh, – which, Lucas, what uh, Rizzo's long contract's up in like two more years, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think he's got three left. It's and still then, very re- no, let's see, eighteen, nineteen. No, he's got four years left on a. Does he? He signed like a seven-year, forty-eight million dollars deal. So. I thought he had two left too. That's why. Oh no, he's got options that. Well, the Cubs have options on him. And then, um, what's Chris Bryant but, got until his but, arbitration years are up? Bryant, he's got four. Okay. Like eighteen, nineteen, twenty, and twenty-one. Addison Russell's got four, and then. They're getting bumps this year up in pay, which Chris Bryan will probably probably get the oh, biggest yeah. first-year arbitration bump in history. Um, probably. So, I I mean, yeah, they got money. I, the Cubs have like $85 million coming off the books this winter. but So they have I'm, some room to work with. But, yeah, they the- got they got to get some pitching. The, the first hey, three spots – the first three rotation spots look pretty good, but they don't have a bullpen. Wade Davis, free agent, and they got Arietta and Lackey leaving, and Arietta's not coming back because Theo's not going to sign another thirty-plus-year-old pitcher to a six-year deal. Yeah, I would say you're right on that one. Five-year-old deal. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys got any final thoughts on the podcast before we get off here, Coach? I'll go to you first. Nope. Every fan from every other team, I can't wait till the hot stove season so I can bitch him. My team has not done anything we're going to do. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the next year. I find it's going to be real interesting. Machado, Trout, Harper, where are all 
these people are really going to end up going to drive them to where they're going. You know, because I think Trout, I always think he's a Jersey kid, and I always think, you know, the Phillies got a lot of young players. I don't think it's beyond reason he is. Trout's not up till 2020, Coach. To win? 2020. Oh, he's one year off from everybody else. My bad. Yeah, he's got he signed that he signed that extension a couple of years ago if you remember. It was, it was too, compared to what they should be paying him. Oh, I know. What a loserville that place is. <laughs> I think they're still playing. They're still paying Josh Hamilton. Yeah, yeah they, they did are. this year. He's off the books finally. Him and C.J. Wilson are both off the books after this year. If I was him, I wouldn't make any more deals. Jeez. All right, Lucas. Final thoughts for you? Um, you know the World Series is, you know, pretty interesting. Should be interesting uh, this weekend. It's going to be a lot more fun. And uh, Randy, great to have you on the podcast today. Hey man, whenever I got a chance to do it, you guys call me. It's I enjoy talking it, talking to talking baseball or whatever else y'all want to talk about. But. Yeah. Yeah, thanks you know, for hopping on. It comes on. down to it. I just have to. I have to make sure Lucas knows that I always know just a little bit more than he does because you can't <laughs> teach the teacher. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I did. I mean, I always like baseball, but it's after you know, you know, playing junior high basketball for you, and then you getting me in on this high school team to do book, and then letting me play with the guys and everything. Really, just I learned so much, and it increased my love for the game. So you know, that's, that's I'll good. always owe you for that, but. That's- Fucking You're Cardinals, a man. person to argue with. I argue <laughs> with somebody that can't. That can't. And you are argumentative, and you like the Cubs, so we're always going to argue. Yeah, I have fun with it, though. Yeah, no, we. I appreciate having you. Uh, we. Uh, I think that you bring uh, another good element of baseball to the podcast. Uh, another good baseball mind. Uh, another entertaining baseball guy. And, uh, folks, we may have had a little bit of audio issues throughout the podcast today, but I think that the content was worth it. And I uh, hope you guys stick through. And, uh, Randy, we'll try to get you back on here pretty soon, maybe talk uh, about some free agents, maybe talk about how this World Series shakes up next week. Yep, that'd be great, guys. I appreciate it, man. It was fun. All right. Well, for Randy Gardner, Lucas Jones, I'm Devin Keeney. This has been the Fumbling Punter Podcast. <laughs>